May I speak in the name of God, who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. I don't know about you, but I love the parables we hear in the Gospels. Each one has so much to reflect on, and in fact, each time you hear it, there's something else that jumps out, even if you've only read it earlier that same day. Which is a bit irritating when you've prepared a sermon and then other things jump out as you're listening to the gospel just before preaching. Hey, these things happen. There can be a temptation, though, to take the parables at a basic level. Just the first thing you hear, whatever you remember from hearing them years ago. Almost just some kind of moral story about how we should live and treat each other. Whereas first and foremost, the parables are speaking about the relationship between God and humanity. One other thing that may or may not always occur to us is how extreme they seem to be in quite what they say. They are engaging stories, yes, definitely. And they have them absolutely ridiculous exaggerations. An elephant passing through the eye of a needle. A mustard seed, the smallest of all shrubs. Discuss. Becoming the biggest tree. Discuss. Absurd, but one thing to another. It's almost what you'd expect a comedian in a club telling a story about how they got there tonight. The absurdities they encountered on the way. And in fact, a friend of mine that I trained for ordination with, Ian, when he was alive, he, for some reason, started chatting to one of the leading Aramaic scholars in the world. Only Ian could end up doing that. And he said, you know what, listening to Jesus speaking, it's almost like he's a comedian in one of the Welsh working men's clubs. And the Aramaic scholar thought about it for a moment. Yes, that's exactly what he's like. That's the way Jesus is bantering in these parables. Like a comedian. And so here we are today. How did you get here today? What happened on the journey? No, sorry, that's a stand-up routine again. That's not where we are. Unless anything strange did happen on the journey today. It didn't for me, I have to admit. I just drove down the hill because Bridget didn't fancy walking back up the hill after the service. A judge. A judge we know absolutely nothing about except he's a complete and utter nasty person. Remember what you say, Father. A complete and utter nasty person, respecting no one and no thing. And there's a widow. In the scriptures, whenever a widow is mentioned, it is referring, of course, to an old woman who has no husband, no children, no family. She's on her own, utterly isolated, cut off, cast out. In some ways, almost like a leper in how she engages with the rest of society. Not just as we might think of a widow now as someone who's lost her husband, but actually has all the family around her and a community, someone who is utterly cut off. So we have a powerful judge, not a nice man, and a helpless, isolated, forgotten widow. Again, two absolute extremes. And so it's so easy, isn't it, to look at this in a moralistic way. The rich judge should help the poor woman. So we should help those who are poor or struggling. 
And of course, it's true that we should. We can see that only too well at the moment, and so many discussions of the um, political situation in this country can only remind us of that. And in fact, regularly I find myself speaking to, or rather listening to, people who declare anyone who's struggling to be scroungers, good-for-nothing, should just work harder, get a job and everything should be fine, we shouldn't be worrying about people like that. No, I'm sorry, that's not what the Gospel says. People who I try to gently correct, if only I can get a word in edgeways when they start. No doubt I'm not the only one who experiences that. Alternatively, we see ourselves in the position of the poor widow, put upon, struggling, with the whole world against us, just hoping we get a break. So in this context, when we are reminded the parables are speaking more about our relationship with God than our relationship with each other, it gets a bit tricky. Because if we automatically link God to be the all-powerful one and us the poor put-upon widow, we ask, why doesn't God help us? Why is God this nasty judge who doesn't listen, doesn't respect doesn't seem to give us stuff. Why do we depict God like that if we read the parable in that way? Why does why do we have to keep on and on at God until he listens, we ask? Yes, why indeed? Is that the case? Is God always depicted as being all-powerful? The only one in control, the only one who makes the decisions? We have a king who rides a donkey, we sing. From heaven you came, helpless babe, we sing. So many other songs and hymns we could also mention. Because Jesus, God made man, Emmanuel, God with us, born a helpless baby in a pretty poor situation, forced into exile as a baby, a refugee. This is God. Maybe, just maybe, in this parable we could understand it with the roles reversed, contrary to what we might expect. And I know that's a challenging situation. Because to look at it the other way, we depict God as a poor, vulnerable widow, and ourselves, humanity, a cruel, heartless, respectless group assuming some kind of authority, having opinion of being a judge over others. Because let's face it, given half a chance, don't we like to judge other people's situations without knowing the half of what's going on? Simply we assume that we know better than they do because of our own particular insights, our own experiences, even our own particular agendas sometimes. Who was this judge? There were no wigs or legal training then, as there are now, for people to be officially licensed as judges. Licensed isn't the right word, but you know what I mean. He wasn't a trained, qualified judge, but more likely someone who assumed or took or was given authority in a community 
someone who'd been there, done that, got the t-shirts, who was seen as the fount of all knowledge, that possibly went to their head slightly. Putting ourselves in that position. Humanity not listening. Humanity not giving us stuff about God. Because if we reverse the roles, then that's where we end up. Turning away from God. Sound familiar? Seems to happen quite a bit, doesn't it? And then there's a widow. God. Not giving up. It's like the painting by Holman Hunt I was fortunate to see in the summer at Keeble College in Oxford. Jesus standing outside the door, knocking. There are so many depictions of it. Knocking. Waiting. Not giving up. In fact, that is reflected in the psalm today, isn't it? I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where shall come my help? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. The God who does not give up, no matter what. For many of us who have felt a calling to some kind of Christian ministry, that feeling of God not giving up is quite familiar. I, like many others before me, and no doubt many after me, have tried to run away from the idea of ministry and run and run and run and run and getting fitter because I'm running. Maybe. And then the end, realising this end working. I'm running, but God's running faster. You know, God's not giving up. So maybe that call might be real. Maybe that call might need exploring because it ain't going away no matter what I do. And we see this in the Old Testament, don't we? This constant theme of God not giving up on his people. No matter how many times they turn away, no matter how many times they sin, worship false idols, and generally do stupid things. And still, God does not give up. In fact, in today's epistle, we hear the writer, who may or may not have been St. Paul, pointing out that all scripture is useful for teaching. When we hear that phrase in the epistle, all scripture is useful for teaching. What do we think about? What scripture are we thinking about? What part of the Bible do we think about when we hear St. Paul or whoever say, all scripture is useful for our teaching? Near the start or the end of the Bible? We probably think of the Gospels, don't we? or the epistles. But if Paul's writing, or whoever's writing at that point, the only thing he can have been referring to is the Old Testament. So he's saying the Old Testament is useful for our teaching, for our learning, in spite of it seeming so hard at times. Because the scriptures consisted only of the Old Testament at that point. God not giving up on humanity. God not giving up on us. And of course, in the end, that's why the incarnation happened, isn't it? Why Jesus was born. Because God was determined not to give up on us. Not on any one of us. Because God so loved the world that he sent his only son. No matter what, God 
always reaching out, always knocking, asking, inviting us back to him, desperate to welcome us, desperate to forgive us, if only we respond. So those words of the unjust judge in the parable, us, are quite interesting, I I think. I have no fear, no respect for anyone. But the widow, God, keeps knocking. So in the end, the only thing I can do is give up and listen. Because I'm getting tired out from not listening to it. It's quite interesting if you put it that way around, isn't it? Us as the unjust judge and getting so fed up with God keeping on knocking in the end we think, I'm, I'm tired of this. It's not going away. God, why won't you shut up? If you're not going to shut up, maybe I'm going to have to listen. I don't want to, but he's not going to shut up and I'm not going to get any sleep until I listen. We might not be good at listening. We might not be very good at taking a hint from God. But God will not, does not, give up reaching out, knocking, calling, inviting, nagging. I think nagging's quite a good word sometimes, isn't it? Ever hopeful that one day, finally, the penny might drop. And each and every person might finally take notice, even if it's only because they're so tired from ignoring it for so long. They think, the only thing I can do is listen to what God might be saying. May we, and the whole of creation, discover or rediscover God's call and start to listen again. Listening again to whatever, wherever, God might be calling us to. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.